Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive, NFL Week 3. This is the big one. Uh, we're going through... Uh, it's full the big slate. one, huh? This is the big one. <laughs> we're going through the full slate of 16 games. Andy, how you doing today? 15 games. We're going to skip Monday night. We always do. Okay, fair enough. But there, yeah, there again, we're still not in Dubai. It's huge slate. I'm doing great. Football's fun as long as you're winning. And you know what? Even if you're tying, I guess. I like it. Well, the whiff of uh, of upset is in the air for me this week. I'm taking a couple of Moneyline Dogs uh, on my card. I can't wait to get into this breakdown here. We are joined by one of our all-time favorite special guests, none other than Twitter uh, personality extraordinaire, Mr. Lockie Lockerson. How are you doing on this beautiful uh, NFL Wednesday? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. I didn't I didn't realize week three was the big one. You probably should have had somebody who's been paying a little more attention on, but I'll They're try to impersonate ones. an expert the best I can. So. They're all big ones, man. Uh, and, and, you know, we only get 16, you know, 17 NFL weeks a year, so they all they all matter. Um, let's uh, let's actually, you know what, before we dive into this NFL card, uh, it would be a disservice to our listeners not to get some of your thoughts on how the college football season is unfolding. Uh, we're coming up on what week four? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, there's there's the like big a one. Week, there's a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Uh, there's a week zero now, which kind of throws everything like a little out of whack. Oh. But yeah, like this is still technically called week four. So week zero is a hoot. We were in Vegas for that. We were watching. That's right. It was fun. Oh, Hawaii's good now. Yeah, yeah we it was even I better if you had New Mexico zero. State. It was a great week if you had New Mexico State, like I did. That was great. So. <laughs> all right well uh what do you think uh we're about to enter conference play right like uh it's about correct to get, this is the last uh, week of uh this okay. is the last week of non-conference for a lot of teams and i think that um i'll just sort of take the baton from you and and i have uh, just a couple especially for people that only watch nfl football and and maybe you watch college casually or you only you read it about it a little bit you only watch the huge games like really what's happened this year uh is i think the difference between the top tier teams and the rest uh, is probably wider than it is in most years. You have like really a, a sort of like group of super teams that has already established itself, um, which would be Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio state. Uh, There's a couple other teams that I would sort of have as like fringe playoff contenders, which would be something like, you know, LSU, Mississippi state, Oklahoma, um, you know, but like the, the number of teams that can realistically have a chance to make the playoff is so small because the likelihood that Alabama and Clemson are going to make it is so large. So I would say that's point number one. And point number two is really what I would just call a mania about Alabama as a team. So I think everybody, you know, who was in front of a TV on Saturday night saw 62 to seven against Ole Miss mm-hmm. and watched opening night Saturday night in primetime against Louisville and saw a tag of, yeah, no kidding. And, uh, saw to a tag play in any of the games and basically come to the conclusion that this team is unstoppable and mm-hmm. they are insanely talented. There's no question about that. Uh, the problem that I have is that they're receiving a, a really high or a really large amount of credit for basically beating teams that any of the other super teams would also dispatch with that amount of ease. So Alabama in week one beat Louisville, which was at the time considered not, a phenomenal win, but it was at least considered a reasonable power five win. And since then Louisville has basically proven to be 
like almost a bottom feeder ACC team so far. Like I'll be really interested to see if they turn around in conference play, but they've switched quarterbacks. They almost lost to an FCS team. They almost lost to Western Kentucky last week. Western Kentucky might be one of the worst teams in college football. So mm-hmm. the Louisville win to me now becomes like a throwout. It's it doesn't tell you anything about Alabama whatsoever. Uh, week two, they play Arkansas State, which would go exactly as if Clemson played Arkansas State or Ohio state played Arkansas state or whatever. I think it was 55 to seven or something. So again, like nothing, we don't, we don't learn anything there. And then week three against Ole Miss is the first time when it was like, all right, we're kind of going to get a feel for the dominance of this team. And, and for sure they passed every test. Ole Miss had the number one ranked S and P plus offense coming into the game and they scored on the first play and then didn't score again. And they were playing at home. So of course that's really impressive. So, but I just think, you know, when you're giving credit for wins, uh, everyone's giving Alabama all of the credit in the entire world when maybe they don't necessarily deserve it. Meanwhile, Clemson has a better win than Alabama. Georgia has a better win than Alabama. And Ohio State has a better win than Alabama. So I just, I think that, uh, you know, the Golden Nugget uh, Casino put up basically these, not fake, but uh, projected spreads between Alabama and other college football teams if they were to play in the national title game. And that's generated a lot of conversation, which is obviously really good for the golden nugget. That was the whole point probably, but the the spreads themselves are kind of wacky and sort of help, uh, you know, point out the, the Alabama mania narrative that I'm kind of trying to explain. So uh, I believe Alabama was nine and a half against Ohio state. 10 and a half against Georgia and 11 and a half against Clemson, I think is what was displayed. Uh, I definitely nine and a half and 10 and a half were definitely true. Um, that's, that's wacky and incorrect considering the information that we have at our disposal right now. That might prove to be correct eight weeks from now, I guess I find that incredibly unlikely. Um, but basically this mania with Alabama is it's, it's definitely going on right now and it's going to continue at least for another month and a half because their schedule is just so incredibly easy. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be minus, you know, they're going to be three, four touchdowns minimum each of the next five games. And then they finally in the back half of their schedule, to me, that's when we actually learn everything. So that's Mm. at L that's at LSU. That's versus Mississippi state. That's versus Auburn. Those are three of the last four games. So to me, it's like, this is all almost some kind of elaborate preseason in terms of judging Alabama's competence. Alabama's weakness is parts of their defense and their two coordinators and their ability to make adjustments. And those are things that are never, ever going to come out in a game where there's incredible talent mismatches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can call yeah. base everything and win by a hundred. You can just do that against these teams when you have five stars at every position. Uh, when you play Georgia in the SEC championship game, when you play some of these other teams, when you play Urban Meyer, when you play Dabo in a playoff game, that's when some of these characteristics could come to the surface. So I think just if you're looking for the overarching theme uh, so far, it's everyone's obsessed with Alabama and, you know, there's sort of these, these other contenders right behind them. So you're telling me I, I, I shouldn't... I, uh, uh, yeah, you're telling me I shouldn't Well, we drive. can't. We'd have to fly to the... Well, you could drive, but... Yeah, I could drive to the desert and get my I, I guess down. I have a little quick question on somebody... I mean, basically, let's say you take these lines, transitive property, Ohio State's two points better than Clemson then. So if Clemson goes up to the horseshoe, the Ohio State's a five-point favorite. Is that is that how you would look at this? Because some you know somebody made that argument... And I'm and is that a hundred percent how you would look at this with power numbers, or is any of this, you know, m- a little bit of matchup based too, where they're saying, oh, Ohio State's better than Clemson now because of this, or 
I mean, or are these just, is that all silly and these are just horse shit numbers we're putting out in September and none of it really matters? And I think uh, it's probably, I think it's probably that third option. A lot, <laughs> um, a lot of options. I would say a little bit of everything, right? So uh, part of, so first of all, I have I have Ohio State as even better than Clemson than than what the spreads have. But um, I think Ohio State's the most talented team in the country. I think they're more talented than Alabama. I don't think we're, they're there yet necessarily in terms of that talent coming to fruition. But that's that's sort of a separate issue. Uh, I think with title game odds, I think the other like incredibly large wrinkle that comes into play is the amount of time between the end of the regular season and the semifinal and then the final, which kind of creates these like weird situations that need to be handicapped differently because of coaches and how much time off they get and which coaches are better with time off than others. And then that actually ends up kind of affecting the handicap and the rating. Um, you know, like Nick Saban is sort of notoriously amazing in spots where he has a chance to prepare as much as possible. So, uh, you know, I think that part of it is just kind of like, we're going to put out some numbers. I think uh, there's a, from what I understand from sources, there's a low maximum bet allowed on any of this, but uh, you know, I think it's sort of, let's get some publicity. We'll put out numbers that are, you know, Gen- they generate talking points and they're maybe kind of close, but they're a little inflated. Uh, we will, you know, we'll take tiny action and we'll get a lot of publicity. I think that's really kind of what's going on here. Mm. Oh yeah. I mean, if, if it, if it weren't for the fan duel thing, which God, we don't have time to get into that. Yeah. Nor, I think it's, do, just, it's for I, the best that nor we do want, I even watch really, to, yeah. but if, if it weren't for that, that would be one of the biggest things just kind of going around gambling social media today is that, uh, the, you know, the, the power number things. You're right. It just, it is a good conversation piece, if nothing else. Interesting. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you to dig a little bit on, uh, on Alabama and their situation this year? Because for the most part, it hasn't been like this where they were this, this, you know, overwhelmingly, uh, you know, favored this early in the season, as far as I can remember. And the idea that they're going to get cupcake after cupcake over the next four weeks is, you know, I mean, is this bad for them? Like, can you make it, can you, can you work up a narrative where like this extended preseason, like doesn't actually help them? Like they could be learning like how to fight through adversity if they were playing more challenging opponents. Um, I think that you're right. Uh, in general, I think the, usually with Alabama, the schedule actually sets up similarly to how previous Alabama schedules is set up. Uh, you know, there's always sort of non-conferences in the same spot. They always play Ole Miss as the first conference game, basically. Uh, LSU is usually on the same date. They always get a bye right before that. Auburn, the Iron Bulls, obviously, at the end of the season. So the framework of the schedule is is kind of the same. I would say uh, the major difference is the quality of the opener was much less this year. And they played some not great openers before, but this was really not great. So this was basically not a test whatsoever. Um, mm. You know, like Louisville... You know, I, I know Alabama played USC a couple of years ago. They played Florida State last year. Uh, I would have to go back to remember the exact opponents three, four, five years ago. But I would say in general, in terms of point spread and caliber of team, slightly better than Louisville to way better than Louisville is sort of the range of opponents. And with how Louisville came into the year, like crazy low returning production at all positions. It's not just Lamar Jackson. It's the entire defense, basically. Uh, they changed defensive coordinators and they're, it was literally like a rock bottom cratered out defense with that that their new coordinator took over. So like I, you know, I had Alabama week one and, and didn't think twice about it. And that's, you know, it was sort of, that was the setup. I don't because of Saban and the culture and all these things. And, you know, I kind of, I bash the coordinators and it's not that they're bad and it's not that they, 
don't have a lot of talent. We actually, we don't really know the answer to those questions. It's more the unknown factor, right? So, uh, you know, previous coordinators, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, especially like you get in tough situations and you're able to make adjustments that sort of end up working out in a way that you gain an advantage over your opponent. And we just, we don't know if these coordinators can do that yet. We have no idea. So, you know, I think whether they were playing slightly better teams in the next four weeks or the teams they're actually playing, like wouldn't, I don't know if it really matters. They're still going to have a bye week before LSU. Like they're going to go into LSU as prepared as possible. And then we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, any chance that the SEC gets two teams in the playoff? Uh, absolutely. I think there's a pretty oh, good yeah. chance now that, uh, now that certain teams have absorbed losses that were maybe a little unexpected. Uh, so, I mean, Michigan has a loss, which was not super unexpected because of the closing line, uh, but Michigan State having a loss already, Wisconsin having a loss already, Auburn having a loss already, like sets up this situation with Alabama and Georgia again, uh, where you could see like a similar stuff. Uh, Miami having a loss already is actually really significant um, because I, I was sort of latching onto a possible narrative where Clemson and Miami could have both gotten to the ACC game undefeated uh, and both made it if the SEC teams each kind of beat each other up a little bit. So I think that Alabama and Georgia or really LSU and Georgia or Mississippi State and Georgia, uh, any of those pairings uh, are perfectly reasonable to think right now could both make it. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Pac-12 definitely out, right? Uh, I, no, not really. Like, to be honest, uh, I, I actually, Stanford, Stanford, Stan- oddly Stanford, fits makes the a run, maybe. Stanford oddly fits the profile for kind of what a, a contender looks like in terms of what they brought back, uh, from just like a, a sheer talent standpoint, their, their actual on-field performance last year on defense, especially was like one of the more mysterious things in college football. It was like all the players were still there, but yet some, something was wrong. Uh, and this year, I believe they're like top 10 in a ton of really important defensive metrics. Uh, so Stanford's like a little interesting, Oregon's still undefeated. We'll find out about a lot, those, a lot about both those teams. Saturday yeah, night. Play each other Saturday. Yeah. And so basically like that division, which is undefeated Oregon, undefeated Stanford, one loss Washington, who's probably the most talented team and undefeated Cal, which is like this weird sneaky lurking team that is like a very veteran team, but not as talented. Uh, they're all going to just kind of play each other and we're going to see what happens. The likelihood that anyone emerges from that undefeated is pretty low, but I would say of the teams like Stanford probably looks the best, but maybe Oregon has the best schedule. So Ooh, you know, interesting. it's sort of like, you know, the, the winner of Saturday night's game obviously gets a huge leg up. Interesting. Uh, out of uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and uh, Clemson, who's the most likely going to be on the outside looking in? Oh, man. Uh, that's a really good question. So what, what were my three teams there? Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson? Yeah. So if, they, Clemson, if, they all, if they all win their conferences. If they, uh, if they all win their conferences, I'm going to guess Oklahoma takes a bad loss at some point. Uh, yeah. I think that what they're – They've just they've absorbed some kind of cluster injuries at running back. Their defense seemed to be kind of fixed because they of the quality of teams they were playing. And then Iowa State on Saturday kind of showed some stuff that made you kind of go, oh, right. Oklahoma defense like can't really tackle any actual like you know legitimate receivers, all those kind of things. So there were just enough sure. plays there where it's like, could TCU kind of catch them right? Could Texas catch them right just because of that rivalry game and the kind of weird stuff that goes on in that, in that spot. Uh, you know, when they play West Virginia, the last week of the year, they play the title game against one of those teams again, like, could they catch an L or two more than the other teams? Probably. Mm, I love this. I love this. Uh, last, last question about college and let's get into the NFL. 
Uh, true or false, there are only uh, five contenders left for the Heisman. <laughs> I mean, I just wrote about this uh, for Action Network. I think that there's a tier of players where the winner is 99, 98% of the time going to come from that tier. So, I mean, that's basically just I'll write them down so I don't forget any one person and, you know, their family gets really mad at me. So basically, <laughs> well, they probably uh, listen. So, yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, Tua, Tua is going to get invited. Whether he wins or not is going to turn into this weird philosophical debate about what is the best player in college football. Is it the best player on the best team, even if he only plays a half of eight games? Or is it, you know, is it somebody who has to mean more to the success of the team? So, that you know, yeah. I, look, I look forward to that November 1st onward being like an every single talk show topic. Existential. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So Tua, Will Greer, Haskins, Kyler, McSorley can maybe win, but it's going to take kind of like uh, it's going to take a couple upsets, basically uh, results, which were sort of not expected to happen for him to win. Uh, and then I think like the sort of sneaky dark horse right now is Jake Fromm, which I wrote about uh, Georgia. Georgia is extremely likely to eclipse 10 wins, which is sort of like the magic number. You can win the Heisman with nine, but it takes an incredibly special season. One that maybe isn't really happening with anybody right now. Uh, so I think, you know, you have one of the, huge, huge programs in college football that's going to make the playoff probably. Uh, he's by far their best candidate option because DeAndre Swift has been underutilized to the point that reporters are asking at press conferences if there's an injury or something wrong with him. Mm -hmm. um, so as a result, Fromm has sort of become the only candidate that they can present and they're going to have just a billion primetime opportunities the rest of the season. And, you know, he's going to play Tua in the SEC title game. Uh, that could be like winner of the game gets the Heisman. It could be something like that. Ooh. And he's, he's a hundred to one. He got bet down to 85 to one today. I have no idea if that was related to my article or not. If it was cool, hope everybody enjoys that ticket. But, uh, <sighs> but like he's a hundred to one and two is like, you know, five to two. So who would you rather have? So. Yeah. We, we talked about this last year too. When, when do they vote on this? So uh, it's right after the conference championship games, the okay. vote happens. And then the, the ceremony is uh, a week later. Right? You know, it's like yep, basically yep, yep. a week the next, later. The, like, the next Saturday, right? Yeah. I, just, yeah, yeah I, exactly. I wasn't sure if the, you know, how late they did that. If it was pre, you know, pre-conference championship games or what. So, yeah, I guess, I guess I really do agree with that though. You're going to have, you're going to have Georgia with a lot of wins and Bama with a lot of wins and two quarterbacks. I'm looking back at my tickets. I have some, I have some Jake Bentley. That's uh, <laughs> bring a, bring a I think I tried out. to talk people into that at some point too. So yeah, if I, I, if like I have a does so. Um, I have some Trevor Lawrence, which uh, like just, Maybe just play him all the time, please. Yeah, he's uh he's interesting. Like, I think that it's it's gonna be really tough. So the he sort of has the stat line that would not remove him from contention so far. Uh his biggest problem is obviously like cool, there's a platoon still. Kelly Bryant's wow. kind of hurt. It's gonna be weird the rest of the year. Their biggest problem, honestly, is they don't play anyone good already, starting mm -hmm. now. They don't play anyone good the rest of the year. So like they're going to play Boston college, which will be like their best game. And BC will be ranked at that point. I'm kind of, I've sort of written a lot about BC and their schedule, but uh, when like, you know, number 22 Boston college is the best game you're going to play for nine weeks. Uh, it's kind of tough to, to really make a case that you're the best player in college football. I got you. The uh, bonus final question on college football. Is there one regular season game that you're especially excited about? Like, is like what, like if you could only watch one college football game for the rest of the season, what, what's it going to be? Oh man, that's uh, that's an impossible question. Yeah, I, right. Sophie's choice. 
Right, exactly. Uh, there are two SEC games that I'm now incredibly fascinated by. So uh, Alabama at LSU now becomes amazing when previously it was going to be anything but amazing. That'll be the first <laughs> game that Alabama will actually probably be tested in, which will be really fun because just it's there's always like every Saturday, I feel like everyone kind of keeps one eye or a half an eye on the Alabama score, like almost hoping that somehow something happens because it creates these epic moments. They just don't play a lot of close games. So whenever you can have that environment, uh, I just feel like there's an extra buzz compared to when other teams play, even even Ohio State, Michigan or Ohio State, Michigan State or, you know, whatever. I think that Alabama at LSU this year has the chance to be really special because of what LSU has shown so far. Hopefully LSU can make it to the game with God, even one loss would be awesome. They play a crazy schedule going into that game. Uh, so that game I think is sort of already on the horizon as really fun because of Alabama. And then another Alabama game, unfortunately, I, I, Coming into the year, I thought Mississippi State could have a really special season. Um, they're sort of a weird college team compared to the super teams because the super teams are more of a reload, five-star, next man up, just uber-talented bunch of teams and or bunch of players. And Mississippi State has done it basically by just with patience. Uh, they have like the most seniors of anybody in the country, basically. Almost all of their playmakers are seniors. There's a just an incredible amount of talent and experience that's almost crested like a wave this season. Uh, and I love Joe Moorhead as a coach. Their problem is they seem to be playing some really dumb football right now, which when you play Alabama is going to be problematic. But just in terms of like sheer talent level, I really, really think they can hang on the field. And Nick Fitzgerald kind of presents this weird, you know, sort of saving kryptonite option at quarterback, which is when you have a quarterback that just is mobile and wants to run all the time, in the past, Saban teams have maybe had a little trouble with those guys. So I think those two games are are already on my mind as I like, can't wait for those to happen. Oh, so good. Okay, well, enough college. Uh, pay, pay the players for, for the love of God. Uh, and uh, let's let's talk about uh, at least some good football. ones. Yeah, very good, very good ones. Um, let's talk about let's talk about week three football. Um, so what are we? Far, st- there's got to be a big game to start out the week. What, what's first oh, on the yeah. docket? Right. Would you rather oh, talk about Alabama LSU or Jets Browns? Come on. <laughs> Ooh, oh my yeah, gosh! Just... Are you kidding me? The narratives in this are so huge. The top two quarterbacks drafted facing off on Thursday Night Football, except one of them will be on the sidelines. Um, you got uh, a resurgent Jets uh, with the. Uh, Sam Darnold, who looks to be legit, uh, ran into some speed bumps last week at home in his home opener against the Dolphins. Uh, but uh, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty positive about my Sam Darnold rookie of the year ticket. Uh, he heads to Cleveland on a short week. Um, Cleveland Browns having a weird season, pull off the tie against Pittsburgh. Uh, looked like they were in the driver's seat for an upset against the New Orleans Saints down in the Big Easy last week before the wheels fell off. Uh, and uh, you got Browns now uh, at home on a short week. Uh, Hugh Jackson uh, is not a great coach. Uh, Todd Haley and Greg Williams are not great coordinators by my estimation. Uh, that has me worried about the Browns' three-point shock uh, on a short week because as we've seen time and again through the years, coaching on Thursday Night Football matters an absolute ton. Uh, and so I don't know if I get entirely why they open these guys as three-point favorites instead of maybe just making them a little bit of a, you know, a chalky money line or something like that. Uh, Andy, did you get any action on either side here? I hit the opener when it dropped a point. I hit over 39. I like, I like some points to get scored. 
I just i i think the i think the Browns' offense is starting to pick up a little steam. Uh, I was a little disappointed. I thought they were going to put up more points in New Orleans. I stayed away from that game, other than just some New Orleans money line and a big old stupid parlay that ended up hitting for like minus money. But uh, I really hope the Browns would continue. It was tough to really gain a lot of info from the first game with the weather. But what I saw in the fourth quarter with the comeback, I thought we could, well, let's roll that over against a, another shitty defense. And I don't know. They, they, the, the coaching there is just shitty all around. Everybody sucks. But uh, I, I do look I do look for Darnold to have a nice little bounce back, even on the road. I, I think both teams, it feels like a 24-21 game. 39 is just a little low. I could be dead wrong. This could be six to three. This could be a really ugly Thursday, but I like, I like me some Thursday second halves. I think, uh, I think we get some points. If this uh, gets up a little higher and I'm not feeling as good about it, I might buy out, but I did grab that. I won't touch a side. I can't bet the Browns as a favorite yet. No. And and Darnold's, you know, he's still a little bit of an unknown. So just going to possibly have the total on my card. I grabbed it early and that's about it for this one. I'll, I'll watch it. We'll do a periscope. That's yeah, I like uh, I like your look there. I'm on the over as well. Uh, I actually bought up to or I sold up to 40 and over 40 and a half to get a little better price here because I think this gets into the 43, 44 range pretty comfortably. Actually, uh, I still have a ton of respect for the Jets offensive coordinator Bates. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He's going to be able to find uh, he's going to be able to find some some uh, space against this Cleveland defense, which I think is still suspect, even though they have playmakers. Uh, there's some important defensive injuries on both sides of the ball, which I think yeah, uh, lends exactly. itself to points as well. Um, Lockie, you got a feel for uh, Sam Darnold, how he how he's looked so far this year. Do you think uh, he's the real deal? Uh, I do. I watched him a fair amount at USC last year. Uh, obviously, it's it's tough to defend someone who on the first play of his career throws like a terrible pick six across his body where he was basically baited into making the throw on a wheel route. But, um, you know, I think that like a lot of the throws that he's already making arm strength, uh, all those kind of like, you know, uh, physical qualities that you look for. I think he kind of passes the eye test, which is really cool. Uh, I can't, you know, speak from like a super analytic standpoint, uh, like a pro football focus method about his performance so far. What I will say about this game that I just think is interesting, and I promise I'll talk way less about these games than college, is uh, a, couple, <laughs> a couple of things I wrote down. Uh, you mentioned like the defensive injuries briefly. Uh, when you see five defensive starters for Cleveland on the injury report, I have mm-hmm. that as like sort of a red flag. Like mm-hmm. maybe two, maybe only two missed the game, but. I think when you see half of a team's defensive starters on the injury report, that's sort of a red flag for me. Uh, So I would just keep that in mind. You guys are both betting the over anyway, so that's cool. Uh, The other thing I wrote down is just as somebody who's still, even though I don't really handicap NFL anymore, but I watch all the games, uh, Sam Darnold was like sneaky, not bad against the Dolphins. That's sort of a note that I made. So they made a ton of atrocious mistakes. Obviously, we all kind of watched the end of the first half and – Either laughed oh, or cried, depending on which side you're on. I, I, uh, I, was I was crying. I needed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they obviously they have that end of half. Uh, they settle for a field goal in the red zone a second time, so they're zero for two in red zone trips for touchdowns. Yep, yep ton yep. of turnovers. But on a, like a yardage basis, accuracy basis, like Darnold's numbers were good. They moved the ball. You know, like it was sort of like maybe if you could call it. I mean, deceiving scoreline is a weird term because like if you turn the ball over that much and you fuck up the end of the half, like you deserve to lose. But um, you know, like just from like a metric standpoint and a numbers analysis standpoint, like I think that the Jets actually come out of that a little better than you would think given the result. I completely agree with that, and uh, I think it's because they're a well coordinated team. 
the offensive corner for the Jets is legit. I would, if I, I would be, if I was considering firing my head coach, I would be watching a lot of game tape on the Jets and getting a feel for if this guy's got the chops to be a head coach. Cause I really think he's got an innovative scheme going here. And if he develops Darnold in one year, then uh, they'd get this guy hired as a head coach somewhere. I, um, I agree with yeah, you. I think, I think him and Hackett might be head coaches next year. I can see that. I can see that. I like uh, the other thing that I think lends itself to the over here is Terod Taylor is relatively familiar with this uh, facing this Jets team. Mm-hmm. Would you believe that this is the fourth game that Terod Taylor has taken on the Jets on Thursday night football? How crazy is that? Uh, Bills, uh, Bills, when he was the quarterback for the Bills, they uh, they played the Jets on Thursday night three times. Uh, and uh, he was able to get uh, at least 21 points in all three games. A couple Including of those games. Very, yeah, a very infamous color rush where colorblind people couldn't <laughs> see anything. The, right. the red, green, colorblind team. Yeah. I forgot oh. about that. Uh, color rush was fun. Oh, well. Uh, okay. Well, uh, let's look for some points tomorrow. Uh, I'm excited for Shit, what could tomorrow. be otherwise a pretty bad game but uh you know hopefully it's hopefully it's competitive hopefully there's some points scored uh and um let's talk about sunday uh interesting we're gonna go right down the list here by the uh, rotation number the first up i'm looking at indianapolis heading to philadelphia second straight week in a row on the road for Andrew Luck and company. Uh, we saw them pull off a pretty impressive upset in DC last week. Uh, it's going to be much tougher sledding in the home of the defending champions who are angry after getting their tails kicked in Tampa Bay. Uh, Carson Wentz back on the field for the first time in 2018. Uh, he, we really don't know what to expect out of him. Uh, just the fact that uh, he doesn't really have a ton of, in in terms of healthy receivers, and we haven't seen him throw the football in so long. This was an easy cross-off for me. Uh, I talked to our friend Suma for a little while about betting the over. He made some great points that kind of steered me clear of the over here because I was not impressed with that Philly defense last week. They missed a ton of tackles. They took a ton of terrible angles uh, and uh, got you know got burned by oh, you both know, of those long uh, touchdowns. Oh, it was aw- just awful, awful defensive you know defensive. Um, execution in that game. And so I kind of wanted the over here, but I ended up staying away. And did you pick side here? Uh, it's another, it is a cross off for me. Just the uncertainty of Wentz coming back. I maybe later in the week, if we hear something or if I see, see footage and he looks good, I don't know. I, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to be swayed by that. I guess. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm did you want that I, 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 I kind of want to, but man, the defense kind of just looks like they're resting on their laurels. Yeah, they, look, they looked lazy. Like, granted, you know, Fitzpatrick has nothing to lose. He's just out there slinging it. Djax is fast. Uh, OJ's a good tight end. And then they, I mean, you haven't even mentioned the best receiver on the team. They have weapons. And we've mentioned this. And, you know, Suma would be proud of this. The whole running backs don't matter. Maybe the fact that their running backs suck so much shit. They, they have to throw the ball. They know like our running backs are bad. We need to throw more. And it's accidentally turned them into a good team. It's crazy. It's crazy. I think that's a good so, read. We'll yeah, I think Philly, I think Philly gets the win, but I'm not laying that kind of points in kind of an uncertainty game with the uh with the Wincy back. Interesting. Uh Lockie, you impressed at all with Andrew Luck uh getting his first win since his comeback? And you know, are you more on the side of luck? is getting closer to returning to his old self, or do you think there's a little bit of uh, overselling that narrative just because people are interested? Uh, well, first off, Andy and I had the same note because on my notebook I wrote, running back sucks so much shit. So it's <laughs> the same note. Uh, 
it's amazing that like just two deeply analytical thinkers can come up with the same thing. That's really wild. So I guess I'll just cross that one off. Uh, so I think the, I wrote down like a couple questions for each game, just, you know, to try to like basically flesh out more information as opposed to, to put myself up there as an expert. The question I wrote down for this game is, did the Colts actually play well last week? So uh, they were outgained in total yards. They played at Washington uh, for people that are, that kind of forgot uh, outgained in total yards. Uh, outgained in first downs. They lost the turnover margin. Uh, and you ended up with 21-9 Indy as a result of those three things somehow. Uh, if I was still producing Sports Center, this would be like a, you know, Elias Sports Bureau tells us that the last time that happened was, you know, like <laughs> the 1961 Philadelphia steam engines or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and we, we did get into that a little. It was, it was third downs and red zone efficiency. They got just, re- Washington was awful. Awful, awful in that, and that's that's a good way to lose a game that you probably should have won. Right. So is that is that Indy? Does Indy get you know? Do they get credit in terms of a ratings bump? Like I this this game strikes me as this is one of those reasons I'm glad I'm not an odds maker. Like this is like a really hard game to line in my opinion. <laughs> like this is uh, oh, yeah. with un- uncertainty a quarterback, a ton of injury stuff on both teams. Uh, I think I read today that Marlon Mack, T. Y. Hilton, and Jack Doyle all didn't practice which is always a great sign going into a game. So, you know, like basically every playmaker for the Colts isn't practicing. Uh, The Eagles have a ton of injuries, some on offense and a new quarterback. So like, how are you possibly lining this correctly? I don't know, like a pass for me too, but I just, I thought all this information was really interesting. Yeah. I'm still in the camp of Andrew Luck is a good player on a team that otherwise would be bottom three. Um, And, you know, he's, he's not, he's not, Throwing the ball downfield as as you know his depth of oh, target is, is you can't yeah you know, his depth of target is significantly shorter than we saw him when he was most effective, um, and you know I mean I, I wanted to back Philly here too but again you know if maybe if Alshon Jeffrey was out there uh, I'd probably look uh, look a little bit more carefully at Philadelphia here with playing the chalk um, but I think they probably get the get the win here and it probably comes in pretty close to the total I'm actually capping at twenty seven twenty. Uh, so I'm right on minus seven and I'm right around 47, which is the total. So let's move on down the line and talk about what I think is one of the emerging stories early in this season, which is the Bengals might be good. You got, uh, Andy Dalton and company heading to Carolina as three point dogs in an interesting spot where they have extra rest play after coming off of an impressive win on Thursday night football. Uh, they have a substantial mismatch, a substantial mismatch with their defensive line against the Carolina offensive line that has sustained one of the more spectacular cluster injuries that we've seen so far in the NFL this year. Cam Newton and company. You saw Cam Newton take a shot to the head last week. Uh, I worry about him taking more shots like that in this game and throughout the duration of this young season. Uh, Carolina heading into their bye next week. Weird week four buys. I don't like week four buys personally, but uh, Carolina gets uh, gets their bye next week. I think they uh, head into the bye week on a sad note as Andy Dalton and company pull off the upset. I'm grabbing the money line here. I got it at a price of one thirty-five ish. I think. Uh, I wish I had that handy. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that really the defensive line is the difference maker in this game. And uh, Bengals pull off an upset, 23-21, 23-20, something like that. Um, Andy, are you with me on the Bengals as a road dog? Haven't bet it yet, and if I do, I'll get a worse number than you, apparently. But uh, I do lean that way. The cluster injuries, I. 
I bet the Bengals week one because of their defense, and I think they've yet to show us their best game, and they are off extra rest. Cam got hit in the noodle. Uh, basically the offense is going to revolve around throwing it to McCaffrey 14, 15 times a game, which like, if you try to take that away and what's the status of Greg Olson right now? Uh, he's got the boot off of his foot. Yeah. That, he that, is not playing in this game. Yeah. He's not playing. If, if you can try to take McCaffrey away, you know, with uh, some good coverage linebackers, I think you can hold since or Cincinnati Carolina, to a pretty low score, and that'll take a lot of the pressure off Andy Dalton, even going on the road. But, gosh, with extra rest, I do lean that way. I haven't bet it yet, but it's it's dangerously close to making my card. And if it's not going to make my card that way, and it's sitting in that uh, Carolina minus two-and-a-half range, it might be a Red Rocket teaser. Ooh, interesting. Uh, can I uh, can I sell you on the uh, the Carolina Panthers offense is even worse than the twenty four points they put up against uh, uh, Atlanta last week, Lucky? Did you see any of that game? Does this a box score? Does another deceiving box score here? Uh, it felt like the Falcons defense was in shambles, having lost two of their most important pieces. Yet Carolina only managed twenty four points in that game, despite it ton of possessions uh do you think that uh the uh, Bengals defense can can uh suppress this team uh i do i think i actually think this game is really interesting so uh, a couple things i wrote down uh the total right now i'm i'm looking at the under of 44 minus 105 and i'm not sure who's scoring in this game yeah uh, with with frequency so like cincinnati will have no running game uh, yep. and Carolina will have no offensive line and their receivers have been abysmal. Yep. And so, you know, I, I, as sort of the, an illogical, uh, sort of betting trend, I feel like, I feel like Carolina plays so many like nine, six home games. God, oh, man, seriously. Like so there's depth there's, I'm sure there's absolutely no statistical evidence of that, but in my mind, that's an awesome trend. So no, 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 but, you're, uh, you're not, you're not wrong. It, it, it's a low scoring stadium. It's on the lower scoring. It, it's, it's at the lower end in, in like the Luke Keekley era. It's uh it's been relatively low scoring. Yeah, there's so good I mean, defense like, at home. Joe Mixon is out. Giovanni Bernard's injured. Uh, and just with Carolina's offensive line, like I feel like you're just catching both of these teams right for an under with sort of how the line has been stretched a little bit. I mean, Cincinnati kind of like flukily gave up all those points last week. It should have been 28 nothing almost out of the gate. There was that crazy triple coverage, 60-yard catch that kind of got the game to the, the where it was at, where both teams ended up running a ton of plays. But uh, So I kind of looked at the under, and then the only other thing I would say about the Bengals being good is I didn't bet into a lot of preseason NFL markets because I, I told myself I was kind of just being 100% college this year. The one NFL market that I wrote about and bet into because I couldn't resist was coach of the year. And if you're like me and you grab some of that Marvin Lewis 40 to one money, then <laughs> you are, you couldn't be sitting prettier right now. Uh, it's just, it's like the best. First of all, he's already won the award. So we always going to win it. He can absolutely win it again, but just Cincinnati like fit all the criteria. Matt Nagy fits the criteria too. There's a couple other guys, Vance Joseph, who it looks really good too. But um, if you ever want to bet into the, the dumbest, most mispriced, hilarious market in the entire world. Just read my piece about coach of the year and then go check out what the <laughs> odds were and what the odds probably should have been. It's just, it's phenomenal. So I'm, I'm where I got the, I got the Andy Dalton Jersey this year. I'm, I'm a big Bengals supporter uh, as somebody who hit Sean McVay a hundred to one last year to win this award. Like this is just the best. So I'm, I'm with you, Marvin, you and me. 
So. I love it. I love it. I'm on some wild uh, Cincinnati team total win overs as well. And uh, I got them to win the North. Uh, I'm, I'm a lot invested in Cincinnati right here. So maybe under is not a bad look to add to my already placed money line bet here. Uh, Andy, Andy, you got a feel for uh, under in this game as well? I guess I did kind of make a case for it when I talked about Carolina won't score a lot of points and then Andy Dalton won't have to. So I I hadn't looked at the total, but it does feel a titch high. I, I don't see Carolina scoring a ton. And honestly, yes, yeah, Cincinnati too, with some injuries, it, it does kind of feel like kind of a, a 20 to 10, 20 to seven type of game. I feel like still the like Cincinnati without their running back could be, you know, the same sort of story we see with a lot of these other teams. They're going to have to rely on yeah, the passing attack, receivers. and that might be good. Yeah, they have great receivers. They have, like, three legit tight ends. Uh, their receiving mm-hmm. core is great. We still haven't seen John Ross do a damn thing, but uh, he could he could emerge eventually. Uh, A.J. Green scoring three touchdowns last week was kind of crazy. Probably won't see that again, but you never know. Um, let's, uh, let's move down yeah, the card. I, t- I tipped um, him in my fantasy tweet. Maybe I'll look for a Carolina team total under. Ooh, maybe that's the angle. Ooh, I kind of like this. I'm gonna probably look for that, uh, and then uh, that'll be that'll be a, a nice little uh, uh, double shot here. Hopefully, Cincinnati wins and, and the defense and does it with defense. Um, we're gonna skip Tennessee, yeah, Jacksonville. Looking, looking uh, we 20. don't know what's that. You're looking at about twenty. Yeah, probably gonna be right in that range. Uh, no, no, it's gonna be higher than that. It's gonna be like twenty-three. Because oh, they're favored. They're favored. Yeah, 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 yeah they'd be like twenty-three. Like yeah, give me yeah. give me under twenty-three in a heartbeat. Um, Let's talk. Let's uh, skip over Tennessee, Jacksonville. We don't know if Mariota is going to play. Uh, Tennessee is kind of a hot mess right now. Anyway, I think they're worth skipping until they figure out who they are as you know their identity as a team. Uh, Jags coming off a huge win against New England. Even if there was a line, I think I would probably be skipping this one. Um, let's talk about one another uh, another frisky road dog that I got involved with early here. Uh, Drew Brees and the Saints heading to Atlanta. I mentioned I felt like the Atlanta Carolina game. Uh, it went over the total, but I feel like there was a ton of points left on that field and they were mostly points by Carolina. Uh, I think this Atlanta defense is extremely suspect. Uh, we saw, of course, the Saints give up 48 week one to Tampa Bay. That was fluky as hell in my mind. Uh, I think the, the more uh, effective Tampa, uh, New Orleans defense showed up last week to play the Browns. It's clear it was it felt to me like the Saints were kind of living in the shadow of how their season ended last year. Uh, and until they got that win last week against the, the Browns, uh, I think they were kind of, you know, they were they they had it in the back of their minds. Hopefully that palette is cleansed now and Drew Brees and company get it done in Atlanta. Um, I think this is a case of wrong team favored. Uh, I do think that with the injuries sustained by Atlanta, um, you have a defense that is now in the bottom third of the league. Um, and I still don't trust Sarkeesian. Give me uh, give me the Saints to pull off a victory here. I think I got him at around 140-ish. Yeah, I'm looking at Saints plus 140 as my ticket. Um, I'll go with uh, Lockie first here. Uh, were you surprised at uh, how pedestrian the Saints looked through two weeks? Uh, a little bit. The the questions I wrote down for this game kind of play into that, I guess. Uh, I don't think I have anything I'd be interested in betting uh, with what was listed spread in total. But the two questions I wrote were, is it weird that New Orleans and Atlanta are being rated as exactly the same right now? And yeah. what is more likely that New Orleans will figure it out or that odds makers will continue to overrate them for a few more weeks until the market sentiment becomes that they're just mediocre? So mm-hmm. I guess like, I, I, you know, I think they're an interesting case where 
you know, I think a lot of, I don't know, confidence that betters have, I guess is the right word. Uh, maybe that somehow factors into their ratings also is, is solely based on last season. And I would wonder like how much waiting goes into the first two games compared to last year when there's such little turnover on the roster. So I think, I mean, I would guess I would just send it back to you guys with, with those sort of thoughts in mind. Hmm. Well, uh, I'll let Andy give you some thoughts. We talked about this a little bit on a lot of people. Uh, yeah. A lot of Sunday people I respected. Pod. They rated the saints really high. So a lot of people, and honestly, a lot of it was how they opened the numbers saints numbers to win the super bowl, the NFC, they were pretty long and they were worth grabbing, but I am surprised at how they've played. And I don't know if it is just kind of the, the doom and gloom cloud hanging over from last year. Breeze is a little older, uh, you haven't, you know, Ingram hasn't seen the field yet. People aren't going to be surprised by Kamara anymore. I think they get it right. I think they make the playoffs, but I'm not completely sold on them as a Super Bowl contender anymore. And, uh, you know, I hate to downgrade a team that's so hard right away, but that's just, I haven't, I haven't seen that spark in the offense yet. And then obviously the defense is playing how they're playing, which is badly. And granted, everybody who's played Ryan Fitzpatrick has got shredded so far. But boy, <laughs> like if you if you'd have showed me the schedule to start, I'd be like, well, win win, like easily win win, and it almost went loss loss. Like that was a real sketchy. They had to have a big fourth quarter uh, turnaround. I'm staying away from this game. I actually like Atlanta. If uh, I didn't, I didn't think it was luck or you know, serendipity that they scored in the red zone. I think Sark kind of, you know, he knew, like, you have to know that people are talking about that because everybody is talking about it, how inept they were against the Eagles, and they looked a lot better. And it's not like the Eagles, you know, it's not like the Eagles' defense looked great in the week two. So I think that really is indicative of how bad that week one loss was for the Falcons. And the offense looks fixed. The defense is beat up, so it's kind of a stay away for me. I think that's the, is that the ghost? Is that the ghosts of Atlanta behind you, Andy? Is that who's making that noise right now? I don't. That's on Wales End. I think I have no idea what the if if <laughs> nobody can claim that noise, then I am kind of freaked out. Are those actual <laughs> white whales? Is that it? Yeah. Oh, it could have been. Uh, we saw last. You know, I mean, I, I think I feel like New Orleans is the kind of team that takes a longer view of the season. Like they don't really press early in the season. We saw last year they kind of took took a Patriots-esque. Yeah, they they got beat like a drum against the Vikings and the Patriots in the first two weeks of last season. And that kind of snapped them into like, okay, we need to get our shit together and get a win here. Uh, And they go in week three, they head to Carolina. Carolina at that point had been undefeated uh, and they beat the pants off the Panthers on the road, 34-13. This has every whiff of this exact same kind of feel. Like it's week three, you're playing a meaningful game. This is, you know, your season starts now you you know click get 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 your um you know get your game right get get your uh you know pull out your best plays you got to get this win against the falcons every everyone heading into the season talked about it like falcons and saints one of these two teams wins the south granted now we're talking about the bucks is potentially spoiling all this but whatever um i like uh i like the saints in the spot a ton and you know, I'm, I, it's going to be a while. You know, Sark's going to have to prove it to me over all, more than just one game. Oh yeah, uh, so, you know, he's going to he's going to have to. Uh, I'm going to have to have multiple losing weeks against him before I really get serious about Atlanta having their their shit I, together. So I wouldn't put it past you. 
Okay. Well, I'm going to grab, I'm, I, you know, still, even if this is like a relatively a, a tight, tight game, coin flip type of game, if I can get plus 140 on the money line for the Saints, I'll take that every single time. I'm capping this as a three point win for the, for the, uh, the New Orleans squad. And uh, let's move on down the line to a game that I had, I thought I had a good feel on, but uh, I've since completely backed off of. Uh, Broncos are heading to Baltimore. This is the same, again, kind of a little, there's a lot of echoes of 2017 uh, in this week's card. Uh, week three, we saw last year, uh, the Denver Broncos had spent the first two weeks at home, comfortable in, at altitude, got a couple wins. Uh, impressive. They had an impressive win week two last year. Uh, headed out to Buffalo for week three and got the doors blown off. It wasn't competitive, uh, and it was one of the easier kind of uh, buy low spots on the buy low sell high spots that I can remember of all 2017. Uh, it's setting up this way again with the Broncos having two wins and being considered contenders in the AFC West. Now finally leaving the comforts of home to play Baltimore. Uh, Ravens, meanwhile, have extra rest after playing on Thursday night football. They're trying to get right potential that they're looking ahead a little bit to playing the Steelers next week. Uh, but we'll just pretend like these guys are professionals and they're going to get motivated for this game so that they can get a win, uh, and go two and one instead of one and two. Uh, you know, I had Baltimore circled as a great play opened at five and a half. It's still sitting at five and a half, uh, is, but I, you know, they, they've, they've got, a ton of important injuries, maybe no one more important on this whole squad than CJ Mosley. Uh, and it looks like he's probably a no go. So that's all I needed to see to bail out. Um, Andy, did you stick with uh, Baltimore on this as a play for you this week? Or are you done? I think it still might be a play. I did grab some, I've sold it up to six. It looks like minus one Oh two. I have it on my play sheet. Uh, man, first, first true road game here. I'm trying to look at the the line for it now. What it's still around five and a half, I'm guessing. Yeah, five and a half. I don't yeah, think we've seen moved. enough yet. First true road game going east. Baltimore extra travel. Denver's defense hasn't impressed me. I don't think either of Denver's wins are impressive as of right now. We've seen what the Raiders are, and I mean Seattle. Seattle isn't a world beater right now. They're not what they were in years past. So they're a really sneaky, shitty two and zero. <laughs> and I, I don't think I don't think they're going to go on the road and compete. Uh, Case Keenum's battling an injury right now. I, I am a little worried about the Baltimore injuries, but uh, man, I think Flacco can put uh, twenty eight to thirty one on these guys, and that's uh, that's me stumping for Joe Flacco MVP right now. But I, it'll probably stay on the card. I like this one. I'm a big extra rest guy, especially at home with the other team coming east. It just a lot of situational stuff, and maybe that's baked into the line already. But I don't rate uh, I don't rate the Broncos very high right now. Interesting. Uh, this is actually, I think it's a little down from the look ahead. Uh, I want to say the look ahead was right around five, so maybe they didn't really adjust it much. No, it's um, pretty close. I think. Yeah, Blocky, you got a feel for the Ravens this year? Do you think they're contenders or frauds? Uh, I would probably lean frauds just in terms of if we're talking about like Super Bowl or legitimate playoff contender. I mean, can they make the playoffs? Yes. Uh, can Denver make the playoffs? Yes. This 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 number was actually kind of interesting to me. Um, I do sort of agree with Andy that, you know, just because you win two games and that but then you know, actually look at, you know, sort of what happened in those two games. I felt like I watched 
more Denver Broncos football the last two weeks somehow because timing of the game and red zone and where red zone spent their time than, than most teams. And I mean, it was, I would say Denver Oakland rivaled giants Cowboys as one of my least favorite games of the season. Uh, in terms of just, <laughs> like the, the quality of play on the field for sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time, like we're really saying that Baltimore's two and a half points better than Denver in this spot. That's really what the, the line is telling us. Uh, I think, I think that's kind of interesting given all the factors you guys have talked about. Uh, I, I agree that Denver is like quote unquote, a fraudulent two and O, but I don't know. There's this line does seem like a little big to me. I don't, I don't have like a particular, particular bet that I like, but I do think the spread is a little interesting. Uh, I, I think Baltimore is getting a lot of credit for maybe some of the factors that you guys have talked about. Interesting. I almost yeah, that's a good point too, that Baltimore's Baltimore's week one win. Let's not give them a ton of credit either. The bills are terrible, but I still, I still think the offense is going to click. I'm worried about the defense, but this, yeah, you guys might've talked me off the ledge a little here. I'm, I'm hey, what about uh, Andy? What do you, let me ask you this. Uh, if you think the if you think Baltimore can get 28, 31 points, that team total over is going to be right for the picking. Yeah, I know it. I've been, I've been only betting charger team totals. So that's my thing. Okay. Well, how about the full game over? Because you, you know, you're going, Denver's going up against Denver's got playmakers. They're going up that's against true. the Baltimore team. That's going to be without Jimmy Smith, without uh, CJ Mosley. Uh, this total sits at a low bettable 44. Uh, I almost pulled the trigger on this over too. Uh, after I kind of talked to myself out of laying the points on Baltimore, um, I might revisit this and end up betting the over in this game. I feel like it's the right, it's the right look. Uh, you got a feel? Boy, yeah. With the with the defensive injuries, this could end up being like a you know thirty one twenty four kind of game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because Denver has shown some offensive prowess. Weird splits. If you, I gotta find the tweet, but the the like catches per tar or the yards per target or yards per catch for Sanders and Thomas, they're really off. Like if it is. Uh, if you were a DFS player or fantasy, there's some there might be something to be said for Keenum might be finding a favorite at this point in the year, mm. especially when it comes to deeper plays. Ooh, interesting. Um, okay, well let's uh, let's hold off on making a solid play for me on that. You're you're going to stick with Baltimore. It sounds like uh, I think that's probably the right side. So good best of luck on that. Uh, I don't have much to say positive at all about the Giants or the Texans. Uh, I would put this in the lucky category of uh, unenjoyable Stink. football watching. Houston Texans uh, are on the verge of firing Bill O'Brien. Did you bet into the uh, first coach fired market at all, Lockie? I didn't. Uh, I put a little bit of effort into thinking about it, but in the end, I came up. I uh, I just these those markets are so fun, man. Like I don't care what the limit is. I like if you like having fun, then you need to be betting into those. So uh, oh, yeah. the I missed and they're not, the, I and missed they're not the priced. Yeah, they're not priced correctly whatsoever. I think when I ended up looking at it, I think I took an afternoon uh, and priced it a little bit, just in terms of like, okay, if I created a pool of guys, like what kind of price could I get? And I think I ended up with too many guys who I thought were actually like, you know, <laughs> le- legitimate candidates. So I think sure. with, with coach of the year, the pool was at least like, I think the pool was 12 and I ended up picking six and ended up getting like four to one in the pool or something. But like with the first coach fired, I, I, maybe it's just the pessimist in me. I found myself making a case for like 
17 guys to be the first coach fired. Uh, and I'm just, I was just throwing everybody into the middle, so <laughs> well, not, I mean, the, the preseason favorite, yeah, the preseason favorite is 2 and 0 right now with wins against uh, the likes of uh, Philadelphia and New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Um, yeah, Bill O'Brien was an easy, uh, easy one to put in the queue in the pool for first coach fired. Uh, guy, the guy is already in you know, in tight straits with this general manager. They have a team that has a glaring hole at offensive line. Deshaun Watson still coming off of his ACL. Can't get time to get his shit together. Um, I I could almost make a case that the Giants are a live dog in this one. Uh, Oh, no, no. Let's not go do that. Yeah. What do you think, Andy? That that's such a bad offense, such a bad offensive scheme. I, Maybe the worst game I've watched in a while was Cowboys Giants. I enjoyed you, so little, so little you, of that game. Granted, we had the under, so it worked out. But boy, like just talk about unimaginative defense or offense on both sides. I, I don't know what Shermer needs. I like Shermer a lot. I just, I don't know what the the philosophy is there that that's what they're going to do because it's not going to work. They're going to win four or five games. It's bad, and. I'm not a big, like, must-win, coaching-for-his-job narrative guy, but Bill O'Brien loses at home as a touchdown favorite. That's that's it, isn't it? I mean, that's done. He's done. Uh, Yeah, probably. I mean, going 0-3 and losing to the Giants at home the way the Giants have played. And And how last week's game ended. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, just just brutal. Like, I I would think he'd be done there, so – I think Texans probably pull out a win, but it's not something I want to bet into or watch. Are you surprised? The look ahead preseason in this was New York was a Houston minus six, and they haven't adjusted at all for the fact that Houston looks way worse than was expected. Well, I think the Giants look worse than they expected too. I think they moved them both down. Okay, fair enough. Two lateral moves. That's not crazy. Okay, well let's let's uh, let's keep moving. uh, put put Bob out of his misery. Uh, let's talk about uh, Raiders Dolphins real quick. Uh, I grabbed the over here. It's probably one of my weaker plays of the week. Uh, I'm capping this 23-27 in favor of the Dolphins. Uh, I like how the Raiders tend to have gotten their shit together when they're playing in the early spot on the East Coast. I have no idea how or why this is the case, but if you go back to the last couple of years, something clearly has changed in the way that they're preparing offseason to be ready to play these early games and they tend to shine. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they pull off an upset or cover, uh, but I'm going to grab the over here because I think the Raiders defense is a disaster. They, especially in the second half, this is a, this unit is going to give up points. Um, you combine that with the fact that they'll be down in the heat uh, in, uh, in Miami and, by all by all accounts, if the Raiders have a lead at halftime, do yourself a favor and huh. look at a, a Dolphins <laughs> to win the game price because uh, you will not be disappointed. Um, but my only look on this pregame, I'm on Miami over 43 and a half. I feel like this is uh, about a touchdown shy. So uh, let's get some points. Uh, Andy, you going to take a side on this? I'm staying away. I rated Miami so lowly. They've won two, but. I mean, like we talked about the Jets, were they great wins? Uh, we had a weird six-hour game, and then we had the Jets just kind of, you know, growing pains with the young quarterback and some weirdness before half. 
Like, I, I feel like they could have lost that game. I really, really am down on the Titans right now. So, another kind of sneaky, maybe they're not good 2-0. and I, and the Raiders or the Raiders. I, I would lean to the over, if anything. I definitely agree with you there. I think both teams are going to give up points. It does feel like it should be like a 48-49. Where did you yeah, have it at? Yeah. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm 44. 44 is low. It should be, yeah, at yeah. worst case, like a 46. 47. Um, 40, yeah, exactly. That was my thought, I'm, too. I'm staying away from this. I do like that over. Um, maybe. Maybe. We do, we tend to do this more on uh, primetime. Maybe even an alt over on this. Mm. Maybe not you know, mm. the crazy rolling alt overs, but maybe one. I would just want to add something. Yeah, sorry. I, I think I, I didn't think I had anything on this game. I thought it was lined correctly, but I would just be curious. In college, there's a couple trends that end up coming up early in the season in non-conference play where if you have like 2-0 and ATS team versus 0-2 ATS team or 3-0 and ATS team versus 0-3, mm-hmm. it actually ends up being like, the 0 and 3 team or the 0 and 2 team, I think works out to like 54%, 57%. There's other like things you can manipulate uh, to create like margin of victory and stuff to create like percentages that are even higher than that. I would be curious. I mean, the Raiders got destroyed by the Rams. Uh, oh, yeah, but they did cover against Denver last week. Never mind. I still don't have anything for this game. So, well, let me uh, ask you, l- l- Lucky, we've heard from we've heard from the whole universe on uh, on this uh, John Gruden situation in Oakland. Uh, you think they would be a live dog if they could just find a pass rush somehow? Uh, yeah, I mean, if only they had any players in their organization who they could turn to. Uh, so the the thing about Gruden that always gets me, and uh, I'll make this as brief as possible because I this game does absolutely nothing for me. Uh, the thing about Gruden that I find fascinating is that if I was building any kind of sports team, basically of any type, obviously I would consider talent important and like work ethic and ability to develop and all that kind of stuff. But I would definitely want at some point to bring in young players and develop them into my system uh, so that I could get them early in their career and take advantage of the primes of their career. And the stat I saw on Gruden was that uh, after they traded Mac, the average age of their starting lineup was like the oldest in 10 years and the previous oldest age was his Tampa Bay team like 10 years ago. Uh, but just like the idea, the idea that someone would approach, especially a sport as like physically absolutely brutal as football with the idea that players need to be acquired on the ends of their careers. Just again, without the data to support this, just as like a hypothesis seems like, a, I don't even know if it passes like the laugh test in terms of being like a reasonable <laughs> philosophy. So uh, yeah, I mean that would be I'm that would be my thoughts on him. So, so he's trying to get Vontae Davis out of retirement, is what you're saying, right? Uh, you gotta add, add some add some experience to that. <laughs> trying to get Rich Gannon out of retirement. More <laughs> Rich Gannon. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Derek Carr, Derek Carr settled down a little bit last week. I still thought he needed to make some plays in the second half to we could secure that win. Couldn't do it. Uh, Raiders now zero and two. Dolphins two and zero. You know. If they had a if they had a pass rush, I would probably be biting on the uh, on the on the live dog here. But instead, we'll take the over. Let's move on to Packers versus the Washington Redskins. Redskins at home for the second straight week. Packers first road game after two uh, a win two two division wins. Uh, oh, sorry, not a win. A division oh, win oh. a division tie. Uh, so victory snatched away from them with a questionable roughing the passer call against uh andy's uh, minnesota vikings last week um but you know two two um results we'll say 
in uh, soccer terminology, two results in division. Uh, now they head on the road to play the Redskins. The Redskins disappointed at home last week. I think that the Redskins are a better team than we saw against the Colts. I think that uh, I'm willing to kind of hang that as an anomalous, uh, low uh, performance from them, uh, and they get back and you know perform closer to their baseline this week, which in my book as a home team would have them favored against this Packers team where we see Aaron Rodgers still, I think, limited by his knee injury. Don't like the quotes I'm hearing from Rodgers. Uh, I don't like the, you know, the amount of uh, uh, time he had to play out on the field last week. Uh, give me the Redskins here on the money line at plus 129. Uh, Andy, can I talk you into a Redskins money line position or am I nuts for fading Aaron Rodgers? You might be nuts. I like the Redskins. Um, again, just I'm trying to grade everything based on, you know, what's happened previously. And, oh, boy, the again, the week one win, maybe not as impressive just because uh, Arizona might be worse than the Bills at this point. I'm not sure if they should even scored in that game. And I think Indy is a decent team. I think uh, I think Washington probably – you know, like we talked about the the clutch or whatever we talked about Sunday, and we kind of touched on it today. Like they were so terrible on third down, fourth down, and in the red zone, I mean, just almost to the the far end of a bell curve where it has to come, it has to get better. They can't continue to do that. So I think it'll be a good game. I'm not sure how I feel about fading Aaron Rodgers. He didn't seem that immobile. I mean, maybe a flat spot after, you know, winning or not winning again, not winning against the Vikings. It could be a flat spot, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't really do flat spots. He he wants to win every game. He ran a few times. I w- Once he started running the ball, I'm like, well, he's fine. His knee is fine. So I'm not going to get in his way. I don't lean Green Bay either. I think this is probably a coin toss game uh, on the road, and I'm going to just – Stay clear and let you do whatever you're doing. Okay. Well, uh, interestingly enough, uh, we've seen the, uh, a good amount of money come in on the under. Uh, don't know if I can really explain that. Uh, it didn't really look particularly high to me, 47 and a half. Um, but sure enough, it's gotten hit a huh. little bit hard. It's down to 45 and a half. Uh, you got a theory on that, Lucky? Uh, wow. That's I, I also find that interesting. The one thing that stood out to me about this game – uh, I talked about the Redskins already in terms of when we talked about the Colts and their game last week. The One of the things that stood out to me was the Redskins' total and complete inability to run the ball effectively and how that seems to be – I I would imagine that's going to be a season-long thing. Like I don't think Adrian Peterson is suddenly going to become much better than he is, um, even though apparently Strong he had that, like, had that incredible workout that apparently made them sign him and you know like ran pretty effectively against Arizona. I don't know. I feel like – I, I left that game. That was sort of my strongest opinion about either team was uh, if the Redskins are going to run the ball for one yard on first and second down and Alex Smith is going to have third and eight, he's probably one of the quarterbacks I would least want to have on third and eight in the entire league. So, um, you know, I think that in terms of just this game specifically, uh, the line makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I think, you know, having the teams rated like this is actually pretty appropriate. Maybe there is like a little bit of value on the Redskins, uh, with it just, I feel like it's probably just really hard to power rate the current version of Aaron Rodgers compared to other versions of Aaron Rodgers. I would imagine um, point. If, I, if I was an odds maker, but yeah, I mean the total, you know, no opinion, but I do think, you know, Washington became like the hot team after week one, but 
I think the hot team, like maybe can't run the ball whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, fingers crossed that uh, can't run the ball. They see the tape from last week. They adjust their approach so that they uh, uh, have run a more modern offense. Uh, did not love the uh, the adjustments that they made between weeks one and week two on their offensive approach whatsoever. Um, that said, uh, let's talk about a team that uh, <laughs> that Andy's going to see in person. Uh, he, this oh. is this was this was this was a scratch off. Uh, I. I run. I ran the model. I didn't really make any adjustments. I get twenty-seven, thirteen, Minnesota. I got three points of line value in the Bills. I want nothing to do with this uh, pass. Uh, you got. Uh, you got feeling. You know. What are your expectations for the Vikings this weekend, Andy? Do you want to see them just utterly thump this uh, this squad and Josh Allen on the road, or do you uh, do you want to see a competitive game? No, I just want to get drunk. We're taking the party bus, uh, taking the party bus. <laughs> I live, I live like an hour and a half from the Twin Cities, so it is nice. The one of the local bars set up a deal with the party bus and the tickets and everything. They'll drive you up there, stop at some bars. So I'm, I'm not gonna bet this game because I want to enjoy it, and I'm already gonna be stressed enough between bets and, to a lesser extent, DFS and fantasy. I don't enjoy going to NFL games. I, there's too much going on at noon for me to be in a stadium because I feel stupid just sitting on my phone checking everything all the time. So it'll just be setting a lot of alerts, I guess, and hopefully I can enjoy the game. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start drinking at seven. So watch out for Andy live tweeting the game. <laughs> Shit could be interesting. I have no interest in backing the Bills. They have every ability to lose by 35 to 42 points. I'm not going to take the 17 and I'm not a guy that lays 17 points, even on a home team that's power ranked towards the top against an away team. That's power ranked towards the bottom full pass, maybe a prop, maybe a prop just cause I'll be there. Any contrarian angle presenting itself. Are you lucky? Uh, first of all, I just like to say, I, I got like a mental image of Andy when he was describing his pregame <laughs> ritual, like Bill's mafia and just, and, you know, Andy with like his shirt off jumping through like a plywood table and, you know, like just doing all sorts of unseemly things that we've seen Bill's fans do. Hopefully you mingle with some of those guys when you're there. Um, it's I, not crazy. I, He's like that in person. <laughs> One, uh, <laughs> the, the question I wrote down for this game, and then I'll get into the contrarian angle is when was the last time I saw an NFL team plus eight seventy five on the money line? That would be, the, <laughs> oh, that, would be that would be, uh, that would be question uh, number one. I think I, so, I think I know when it, I bet you it was like, was it Giants. that Jags Broncos game? Was it that? I, think I was going to guess it was the Giants last year in Denver. Uh, uh, I don't know if you, do you remember that game? Oh where, like, God. Oh, I do remember that. Was, was that a Monday night? night? Uh, maybe Sunday night. Sunday night, I don't know. yeah, Sunday night. I think, and it the Giants a, won, didn't they? They won. They won outright, yeah. and it was uh, they, for some for some reason they were like seventeen point dogs. I feel like, but uh, yeah, that, that was, was maybe that was eight seventy five. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying, like, you know, what is <laughs> what is uh what is the implied percent of eight seventy five? I don't have my calculator in front of me. That'd be really wild. I wonder what that. Oh man. What their percentage chance of winning is? Oh, uh, I, mean, I think like, it's like 11 percent, like twelve percent. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean that That's is incredible a, in an NFL game. That is absolutely incredible. Anyway, uh, just to keep it uh, yeah, moving, it's just I, yeah, one divided by the decimal odds is yeah. So right, 10, 10. 2 percent. Yeah, ten point two. Yeah. Uh, so I think if like, anybody <laughs> can do it, it's my Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gosh, that. Yeah. My, my contrarian angle here is something I still like doing with NFL games, even though I don't play a lot of them, which is this is like a trend I stumbled upon when I was just like 
running different angles over and over and over and over again to try to find edges. And I mean, when you do that, 99.9% of the things you run come back as like complete and utter noise. But I, I ended up having an idea for something that has ended up working out really well. And when back tested actually works out really well. So uh, I think I talked about this a little bit last year when I was on, but the name that I gave this trend is uh, expectation of non weather related ass game. So oh, yeah, the ass game under. Yeah. The ass game so, under, yeah. No, well, it's the ass game over. It's the ass like, game over. Because yeah. yeah. it's over, the yeah. expectation of a of a of an under. So basically, the the criteria that allow this to work are uh, basically it's a it's a game that takes place on Sunday. So basically, it includes almost every. It basically excludes like the wacky Thursday travel spots that can create awkward totals and awkward scoring games, especially. Uh, so it's a Sunday game. Uh, two teams not in the same division because I think the argument could be that they know each other well enough that it stays under because their tendencies are really are scripted. Um, so it's two teams not from the same division and the total is 42 or less uh, with weather conditions ideal. And so basically the the thought behind this is that the general consensus market opinion about either the two quarterbacks or the two offenses in general that are playing is so poor uh, that the total drops into a range that is usually reserved for excellent defenses or very poor weather conditions, even though none of those things exist. And when it drops into that range, it actually becomes valuable. So if you backtest this for the last 10 years, it comes up at 61%, which is pretty amazing. Um, it's, it's had one non-profitable season the last decade. So I would invite, you know, if I, uh, I'll take like a bet lab screenshot at some point in the next week or so, maybe and put it up just so people can kind of get a handle on it's like wind under nine miles per hour temperature above like 40 degrees or something. So it's basically like, as long as there aren't crazy uh, weather conditions uh, in play, then, then you kind of, you fire away basically with the best number you can find. So the, the crazy thing about this game and then uh, bears Cardinals, which I'll, uh, I'll say my piece on right now is that both, uh, this is actually the first week I can remember in which I've been paying attention where there are two games in domes with totals 41 or less, which is like something you just so rarely see. Some of that is because of teams that play in domes. Like obviously New Orleans plays in the dome. They score a lot of points. Atlanta plays in the dome. They score a lot of points. Uh, but just the the sort of confluence of events that has created these totals uh, to me, like screams betting over on both of them actually. So um, they're totals that you immediately look at and you go, my God, how are there ever going to be 41 points scored in the bills Vikings game? And uh, <laughs> this was a series of events, which you actually could have also used last week with the bills chargers game where it's, it was like, my God, how could there have been 42 points scored in that game? And the reason there could be 42 points is that the chargers can score 42 points. That's how it could happen. So, um, but I think that just as like a trend, this is something that I always have enjoyed playing along with that has been successful. Will it continue to be successful? Who knows? Uh, but I just as a pure contrarian here, uh, Bills Vikings over 41. And then if you guys, when you guys end up talking about Bears Cardinals, you can mark me down for over 38 minus 105 for, for everything. So I love it. I love it. That, that, that's good. We'll, 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 uh, I can't we'll believe I that. forgot the about over. the, the, the ass over. I know I did too. I forgot about the ass game over. Uh, the ass man. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, maybe one of the more compelling games of the week then. Uh, and, uh, I'll give you my contrarian angle, which is not as well-founded and definitely doesn't have a bet lab screenshot associated with it. Um, but, uh, the Niners head out to KC to play the chiefs, uh, chiefs first home game. They are two and O both wins on the road against the chargers and against the Steelers. Impressive wins, no doubt. Uh, Pat Pat Mahomes on pace for 72 touchdowns. I'm sure that'll keep up. 
uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and company, eh, they they won last week, but it sure as hell felt like that game was in the balance a lot more closely than it ought to have been. Um, I'm not really interested in taking a side here. I think the line was relatively tight. Maybe I would have thought it should have been like around KC minus four or minus six-ish or something. Uh, six and a half or seven seems like an awful lot of points for uh, for two teams that are uh, pretty close skill-wise, I think, across the board. Um, but uh, this total, I tried every which way I could to cap it to get it up to 56 points, and I just can't do it. Uh, it's, too many, uh, it's too many points for me in this one. Uh, I think you are talking about competent players on the defensive side of the football for the San Francisco 49ers that are going to keep the Chiefs under 30. Uh, and, um, yeah, we still have a lot to see with uh, Jimmy G and uh, putting up like a truly efficient game. So uh, I'm capping this one at 27, 23, 50 points. So give me under 56 here. Um, feels gross. 56 is, is uh, you know, this is it's it's. It's maybe it's the sucker bit of the week. I don't really know, but uh, under 56 for me in this one. Uh, Andy, how do you approach Niners Chiefs? I have a small lean on the Niners. I think uh, the Chief or the Chargers injuries and the just Pittsburgh's defense in general. And I'm not not to take away from Mahomes and all the weapons and the scheme, but I think this will probably be the best defense the Chiefs have faced, and yet the totals that high. Uh, and then, yeah, with the Jimmy G thing, I, I do lean under, but I'm not going to get in the way of that freight train. I mean, you can lean under all you want. You don't need to, you don't need to get silly with it. And you know, just no disrespect to your bet, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just too scared to to get in the way of that. When when it, you know, when it's going to be like 28, 14 at half, and I'm going to be pissed. So I'm I'm staying away from that. I like where you're going. Everything leads that way. I just can't bet it. I do think. I like San Francisco plus the points. I think, again, the best defense they're going to face. I think they can score. Uh, obviously, Kansas City's defense is nothing to write home about. So I think they might hang with them. But, again, in a in a high-scoring game where it's, it's lined with the variance, I'm probably just going to pass on this one completely. Yeah. Just chance enjoy that, it. Chance that Arrowhead is absolutely rocking, too. This is Oh, no. It, it'll be a very – it's always a tough place to play. Uh, have you caught any wind of uh, this DFS uh, chatter that's been going on this week, Lockie, with uh, people kind of making a case that Mahomes is going to regress? And I don't know, even a broader question. Did you see this coming? Uh, I I did not see this coming whatsoever. I watched Mahomes a little bit in college. Uh, he actually got the starting job in like a really weird way too, where the starter got hurt and Mahomes ended up playing and then like basically never relinquished the role and stuff like that. I mean, Texas Tech always has like crazy ass quarterback stories because they they keep like four on their roster who can all play and they just interchange them. But um, I didn't I didn't think this was going to happen. Uh, I think the I think this game is is lined well enough that I don't want to bet anything. The one thing I would just point out is like you can already kind of see the power rating adjustment that's taken place or the spread adjustment because. You know, what the Vikings were what six at home against the Niners in week one. And now the Chiefs, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are six and a half against the <laughs> Niners in week three at home. So, like, we've already, like, I don't think that, like, I would imagine not a huge adjustment has been made to the Niners based on their results. So that kind of gives you an idea of like how people, how odds makers have interpreted like Mahomes and how to rate the Chiefs in order to get equal action. Yeah, I would call we were, it a significant uh, bump. So we were expecting to see KC minus three based on the preseason numbers. Right. 
So I, that definitely that that's not surprising to me. Uh, I mean, I think I think rating these teams as even would be a mistake at this point. I'm not saying they're making an incorrect adjustment. I just think it's really interesting in just two weeks what we've already seen. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, let's go under here. Uh, this has the potential to be uh, pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Best of luck with uh, it. By the way. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. pray, we'll pray for some over. wind. I know. So far, so far, the highest total of the week has sailed over two weeks in a row. So uh, not feeling great about that. Um, let's talk about another one that I'm not feeling great about, but sometimes those bets are the ones that really you, you relish at the end of the week. Yeah. Plug uh, your nose. I, just do it. Uh, <laughs> I played the under in the Rams chargers uh, again. Like I, can't, I tried to cap this in a way that I got close to 40, 40, the t- total line total is 48. I tried to cap this where I got close and I just can't do it. Uh, I think the Rams defense is legit. I think the Chargers, uh, you know, they have an impressive offensive scheme, but you know, it's it's uh, it's you know, it's not going to be. This is going to be a competitive game uh, that I think you know you're going to see relatively um, efficient red zone defense out of both of these squads. Um, still probably not going to see Joey Bosa, which stinks, but uh, you you know you have you, you have I think a relatively competitive game here with the Chargers and the Rams. Uh, I took under forty seven and a half, um, got it at plus one hundred four. I'm I'm looking for like a 41 point game here, and um, you know, it's it's it doesn't feel great. Andy, uh, are you gonna gonna attack a side or a total here in this one? Ooh, I know I, you've been hammering. You've been you've been going going uh, bananas on the Chargers team total over. Is this a week you stay away going against this yeah, mighty Rams defense? Better defense. It, it's a weird thing. Like, do you want to call it a road? You know, a road game. Because is it their second straight road week, kind of, for the Chargers? It is. But, but yeah. just driving across town. And I what is, bad, I got and what is being at home? Yeah. What's being got, at home? Yeah, exactly. Anyway? I got bad news for the Chargers. They're going to have 16 consecutive road games this year. Yeah, like, that's something. You got to put that into context in that in that situation. Like, is it really a road game for them? Um, I think they'll put up points, but yeah, this will be the first big test for them as far as a, a good defense. Obviously, the Chiefs defense is just out there to do something when Mahomes catches his breath and who you know what they what they did last week too. They they put up 28 in a hurry. That's just how it's gonna be when they play a lower end defense. It's it's gonna be much closer. I think uh, I like your angle there especially if the Chargers defense starts to pick up a little steam. They were supposed to be a really good unit, but, uh, you know, injuries has kind of ravaged them. Derwin um, James is playing out of his mind. Oh, yeah. He – that was a great – that was great that fell to him. Like, yeah. That he, he probably should have been in uh, – probably should have been, been in a Tampa. Yeah. Tampa is probably – everybody thought he'd go to Tampa. Him. Yeah. Uh, they definitely needed him. Right. Yeah, they definitely – they needed him. They're 2-0. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a stay-away game for me. I might uh, – might be looking for some live. If you, I do like your under. You're on under on this, right? So you said, yeah, I'm under forty seven and a half plus one hundred four. I think if we see an early score, this would be a good one for a live under. Ooh, that's an interesting look. Uh, Lockie, you're a McVeigh guy. Uh, he cashed a big ticket for you last year. Uh, are you? Uh, do you think that the market has overreacted, making Rams the uh, NFC favorite? Oh, you know, it's funny. I was actually going to go in that direction. So good. That's some, that's some great hosting. So I think that, <laughs> that's the synergy we bring to this podcast. Was, right. Exactly. Uh, I was just, I was staring at the odds board a little bit and 
I'm going to say something that simultaneously will make you say like, well, duh, and that that's interesting. So the Chargers are definitely by far the best team that is a significant underdog uh, on Sunday. Like oh, yeah. of, all the, of all the teams that are like plus 200 or better money line, they're not even close the most talented. Um, I think you could make it. I think you could make an art right. Exactly. And then Wales thinking like, duh, of course they are, they're playing the Rams. So, um, <laughs> but like, I think that it's at least possible that the first two weeks of Rams results have stretched this too far. I think that's possible. Um, I think the Rams are possibly being overrated right now. Uh, the chargers generally, <laughs> generally not a team. I think anyone's interested in backing in a lot of situations uh, just because of how much they've underachieved compared to the talent that they have. But uh, I keep staring at Chargers plus 255 and it, it at least it kind of makes sense to me as having some value. And uh, unfortunately I won't be able to articulate that much more clearly right now because I just noticed it, but I do think no, it's I possible like that the, like the Rams this. first two weeks of results have, I mean, isn't that possible that they've stretched this a little more than is perhaps, you know, uh, you know, accurate given, yeah, we, the, we've the made the that Rams point about the, basically. Yeah, the Bills, anybody who's played the Bills or the Cardinals or maybe even the Giants at this point, like those aren't good wins. Those are right. yeah, Raiders Raiders week one with John Gruden, like brand yeah. new systems everywhere. Yep, like, yep, well, yep. That, yeah, that second half. Yeah, the, I mean, it was the coaching mismatch of the, the decade. Yep. I, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll add to this uh, why that's a good look. The Rams don't really have home field advantage uh, in the Coliseum. The place sucks. Nobody goes. Uh, it's hot. Uh, they don't really have, uh, you know, uh, it's not the kind of surface that, you know, lends to their their skill set, really. Uh, and we've seen a lot of uh, kind of so-so games out of the Rams in the Coliseum. So, uh, you know, it's it's not it's not the type of place that's producing your average home field adjustment. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely value in that, I think. That's a great, great, great uh, jump. So quick, quick follow-up question are when you guys – I mean, when you, when you model games or whatever, are you, are you putting in a flat three for everybody or are no, you, no. are there, no. is, this, is this a situation where you're putting in much less than that? I put in this, less this is than the that. lowest, I think. Uh, chargers. Oh, no, no, no. The chart. That's what I meant. The, the chargers <laughs> yeah. are the lowest. Yeah. Rams but, is close though. I, in my opinion, home field advantage, it depends on two things. And this is, I don't have tons of numbers to back this up, but you know, one is, you know, are, are you specifically built for your, you know, your home setting, uh, which like, you know, a team like the Falcons and the Saints are right. Like they're built to thrive on the fast surface in controlled environment. Um, and then flip side of that is like a team like the Bears. They're built to, you know, thrive on long grass and cold weather, you know. Um, maybe, the, maybe the Rams are built to thrive when no one cares. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah. Worked for them last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of uh, indifferent personalities that thrive <laughs> in all conditions, you know? Yeah, that could think, be. So. That could yeah. be. Um, everybody shows up and wants to see a soccer game, and they're like, why are they playing football? Uh, right. The um, We're, we're but, slotting. But, yeah, the, you know, so so one is, you know, to me, I think it matters a lot, like, how your team's constructed relative to your, your stadium. And then, two, are you good enough to take advantage of the factors that all kind of play, right? Like, I wouldn't have given the Browns much of a home field advantage over the last handful of years because – you know, even, you know, that stuff like uh, the noise, stuff like the, you know, the weather, stuff like the the t- other team, you know, being a little bit tired from travel, like they didn't take advantage of those things. Like they didn't have a scheme. They didn't have a game plan that really made the most of, you know, all, anything that you would expect 
from like what do, what is home field advantage you know so it's, so if you're a good team and you're constructed to do well uh, in your home stadium i give you a bigger bump than 3 uh, and vice versa interesting let's talk about the uh I like your look on the Chargers. I might sprinkle a little money line on that, and, and uh, I'll let you know how that goes. Um, let's talk about the. Uh, nah, I don't really want to talk about Cowboys Seahawks. This is another That's easy such a ishy game. Skip this. Like, actually, whoever whoever wins that game, it's not going to yeah. be like, oh, I'm impressed with them. I actually capped the Cowboys as winners in this one, but I just can't do it. <laughs> it's it's uh, Seattle's home opener. Um, Cowboys got an ugly win against the giants uh cowboys defense is impressive seattle's defense is you know it looked pretty uh suspect when they needed some key stops against the bears um but uh but they can rush the rush the passer passer um we haven't seen Dak prescott look particularly good there's no weapons in in uh in dallas they can't necessarily take advantage of the holes in the seattle secondary so there, there's just lots of red flags on this one to stay away uh, Lockie, did you have any questions or any interest in this game? I had absolutely no interest in this game whatsoever. Uh, yeah. I would be curious, like home field adjustment wise. I wonder, I wonder like what ends up happening with Seattle as all this stuff, as this sort of ball unwinds and everybody mm. goes in separate ways. I mean, Great Carol, question. like I, I don't know what Carol's contract situation is. I have to imagine, you know, he's in his last couple of years with the team for sure. Uh, they'll definitely want uh, like a lot of changeover, um, obviously like all their defensive players have sort of matriculated outwards. Like I'd be really curious what ends up happening to their home field advantage as a result of that. Like, is that, is it actually legitimately affected by the fact that the team will now be terrible for, or at least mediocre for a number of years? I think that would be like a really interesting thing to track. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll I, see I, if those 12s are loyal, you know, you know if it's a fair weather fan community. Cause there, there are fan bases like that where they, they're not, they're not out when the team is not good. Yeah. That's right. And I mean, Seattle gains its home field advantage, in my opinion, because of the way the stadium was constructed and the way it amplifies noise on the field. And if you have right. a pass rush that's going to take advantage of that, they're going to try to get an early jump on the snap count. And and uh, the, uh, you know, the, the offensive line for the visiting team is going off of, you know, that you know, they're, they're not counting on being able to hear the snap count. You know, you can, you know, you, you get an advantage out of that for sure, but they don't really have the horses in Seattle. Oh, there's a couple of decent pass rush pieces in Seattle. I think they're, I think people are underselling some of the, the D line pieces in Seattle. Uh, but without KJ, do we, I not expecting to see KJ right and Bobby Wagner. Um, but I guess if they play, then I would probably flip the, uh, flip the expected winner here and expect Seattle. Script. Yeah, flip the script and expect Seattle to win by three or something dumb. Um, but this is a stay away. Let's talk about the primetime game where, again, I took a pretty hold-your-nose position. Um, I cannot even believe I'm going to talk through this. because uh, Don't say Detroit. Don't do it. I, I did. Um, I took Detroit plus six and a half at plus 102. I backed Matt Patricia and a hobbled Matt Stafford and a garbage Lions defense against the goat uh on sunday night football i feel gross about this um but disgust me i I know i feel gross about this i think the patriots win i think it's closer than six and a half i don't really know what else to tell you uh it's a bad situation for the patriots uh they had to play miami next week in a much more meaningful game this is their second week on a row in, in a row on the road this is the patriots fourth week on the road out of five 
Um, they have done a lot of traveling. They are missing a lot of pieces on offense. Uh, to a degree, the Jaguars put together a nice blueprint for Detroit to, although I'm not sure Patricia really needed to know, hey, the blueprint to stop the uh, Patriots is to stop Gronk. Uh, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, they saw it work uh, with the way that Jacksonville uh, bodied, bodied Gronk. Um, and, you know, the Lions have safeties. The Lions can turn the ball over. Uh, if they can, you know, we're not seeing a particularly efficient or effective Tom Brady through two weeks. Uh, he looks a little rusty. He looks a little uncomfortable with his receivers. There's a little unease on the sidelines uh, on offense. Uh, this could very easily get out of hand. Uh, this could be a Patriots blowout. Um, I am sad that I missed the opener on the over. God yeah. knows what intern got fired for hanging a 45 and a half on the opener at Pinnacle, but uh, but that guy definitely got canned. Uh, it's bet up to 51 and a half. This is the first time I can remember seeing a six-point move on a total this season, uh, But uh, and I'm sad I missed that because I'm capping this at about 49 points. Um, Patriots defense, I think we saw the real defense last week against uh, uh, the Jaguars, and I don't know. Here's my working theory on the Patriots defense. If they're playing a team with a bad offensive line, they can get pressure, they can disrupt, they can, you know, they can get teams off the field on third down. If they're playing a team with a decent to good offensive line, they cannot. And so I think this is like a Jekyll and Hyde Patriots defense. Um, I think you're talking about a very desperate 0-2 Lions team. I was impressed that the Lions didn't outright quit on Patricia last week in San Francisco. The opportunity was there. They were down in the second it half. Fe- it felt like that was where it was headed. It felt like that was where it, it was headed, did. but they was, didn't. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. Uh, so there's a little fight left in this team. There's a little uh, little glimmer of hope of we're going to salvage our 2018 season. Uh, hopefully that gets me to a cover here. Uh, keep this game inside a touchdown. Uh, this is probably the last time I'm fading the Patriots for a good long while. Uh, and hopefully it's not a uh, just an utter ass kicking. But uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, Lockie, am I bananas or did I make a strong case there? No, I mean, you made a pretty strong case. I think uh, I I actually was a little surprised that the number was this low. Uh, just I thought the Patriots would still get more credit. But I guess, you know, when my uh, my finger is not as much on the pulse of correct odds making in the NFL as it has been in past years. But it is it's funny that you bring up the over. Uh, I did kind of get wind of that same story and just the the rate at which the total went up. And the funny thing is, is I was I remember. Uh, a friend told me the story and I said, well, wait, what's the total at right now? And he goes, oh, like 51. And I go, oh, really? 51? I kind of like the over. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. um, and, uh, and I think that I think the Patriots defense's flaws are being masked a little bit by who they played in the first two weeks. Uh, when you talk about both Houston and four netless Jacksonville. And I think that like Detroit's offense is probably significantly better than both of those offenses uh, or at least marginally better. So I like, I would actually still lean over at these numbers. Um, You know, I think that's, that's more based on a sort of a, a lukewarm Patriots fan who's just enjoyed way too much success in my entire life. Uh, I feel like I generally have a pretty good read on the team and, and 
what they're capable of. And to me, this just, it's honestly, it still seems a little low. So I guess that would just be my opinion there. It's crazy. Interesting. You mentioned about the spread. Uh, the, we were expecting in the off season to see Patriots minus four and they opened it up Patriots minus six and or minus seven. I guess, I guess they opened it minus seven. Detroit took a little money early. Seven is what I would have expected. Like seven, seven and a half. I would have expected. I would have felt like market sentiment on Detroit was, like bottomed out almost bottomed out yeah. yeah so uh the you, you know you, andy you know the guys in the in vegas who like go to the roulette you know the roulette tables and they like watch for a table to hit like 10 blacks in a row and then they walk <laughs> over and bet and they, they walk over and bet red and then the like the absolute here, best. here comes here comes the street breaker the it, guy in his one black chip yeah yeah <laughs> yeah be, be, betting uh betting detroit is exactly that because the uh the against the spread uh and straight up uh, trends for the Patriots off a loss in the Belichick Brady era are stupid. They are utterly ridiculous. Um, I am literally walking over to the table to try to break the streak here. Uh, are are you... there a lot of Brady primetime trends too? Aren't there like some of those too? Yeah. Those always I, used to be a big deal, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, hold, hold on to your butts. Like what you're going to see people tre- trend, you know, trend analysis on, uh, on this particular game in that dead zone between the four o'clock games and the, uh, and the primetime game, like it's going to be ridiculous because I mean, if it, if it already hasn't gotten to a deafening roar about how, not like how, any of it's predictive or anything, from, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but it's, it's, it is, it don't is have what to be it is. predictive to get retweets. Right. <laughs> that is how that if works. One so. thing from the legalized culture of gambling. It's that something definitely does not have to be predictive to get retweets. So. Yeah. No, you know, you don't. I hate it. <laughs> Look, I mean, you say, oh, they, the, the blueprint is to take away Gronk. Well, I guess maybe if the Lions can borrow some of the Jaguars defenders, because hey. that defense is nowhere. I I seen Jimmy G do things against the defense. Brady and Gronk all day long. It's going to be disgusting. I hate to just be so dismissive of a game, but uh, man, that they had the game plan. You're right. They had it figured out. The Jags have the personnel. They have the scheme to do that. I don't think Detroit can. I think you're going to see a lot more of like what we saw in the first half of week one against the Texans, where they just methodically go down the field with Gronkowski and score a few touchdowns, 35-20. Well, hopefully Glover Quinn can do a damn good Jalen Ramsey impression for me. Uh, And Darius Slay. Uh, Is he healthy? God, I hope he's healthy. If they're missing any, <laughs> if they're missing any, if they're missing any play pieces in the secondary, I'm screwed here. Um, Diggs, Slay, Quinn, get play your best game, boys. The, uh, and the, I guess I will say the Patriots don't give a shit. They'll leave the back door wide open. They'll they'll let you score late. Like they almost that almost happened week one. I guess week one was a little different because you know they were within a touchdown there. But uh, I'm gonna retweet uh, that right now. Patriots. <laughs> Patriots don't give a fuck. They leave the back door open. Don't leave that. Don't leave that back door open. Yeah. I mean, they're not like a spread covering machine on these bigger numbers. They just they win. They just want that win. And it is. I will uh, a point to back you up a little. It is still the extended preseason for Bill and Tom. So that's true. Maybe that they do. True. They do have that. That's true. Um, okay. Well, sad that I don't just get to play over 45 and a half and, and chill on this one. <laughs> that yeah, that'd have been nice. Been nice. 
That would have been nice. Uh, Patriots are missing a couple of pieces in the defense. I'll mention Patrick Chung's going to be out. Um, yet uh, Trey Flowers is probably going to be questionable. Uh, you know, it's 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 a gross game. I feel gross betting it, but uh, here we are. Um, let's wrap it. Great, great job, guys. This was a super fun pod. Lucky you are as spectacular a guest as I remembered. I really appreciate all your insight on the uh, college football stuff you gave us at the beginning there. Uh, I was kind of uninterested in college football to this point in the season, just because I focus so much on NFL and the games really haven't interested me that much, but I'm like, I went from like a two to a, to a nine, just listening to you talk about what are you it. So doing Saturdays. Oh dude, are you kidding? It's, it's fall in Southern California. It's yeah, so beautiful. Suppose, this is the, this is the best time of year to be outside on the Saturday. Surfing? Pa- get some yeah, surfing. Surfing. I want to put you, put you in that commercial oh, yeah. with Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. Come to California. Oh, it's the best, man. It is the best hiking, wine tasting, surfing, everything at your fingertips around here. I can watch uh, college football and drink wine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, 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 uh, you're setting the table for me for my October. It's going to be a lot of that. So I'm, I'm excited, but, uh, thank you again for all your insight. This was a ton of fun. We'll, uh, be reaching yeah, out at, to you for sure. Lockie Lockerson, if you don't already follow him, which yeah. I guess seems kind of unlikely, but yeah, at Lockie yeah. Lockerson on Twitter, he writes for action network. There's a lot of good articles. Um, there's a lot of shitty articles out there that get put on. I see a lot of shitty articles on Twitter. I click and read some of them and I regret it, but Lockie, Lockie's a good writer and it's actually, it's actually useful information, which there's, there's a difference there too, because there's a lot of good writers that just write a lot of fluff pieces, but I do like your stuff. I like your Heisman thing. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, I'm just, I'm just I'm, I'm te- promotion. Yeah, I'm tearing up a little here. But no, <laughs> I, I do I do like your writing. So everybody go check that out and luckylackerson.com. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah. So uh just the I'll do my can I do my 30 seconds of hype for real quick. Yeah. So hype it up. Basically, uh college football is like you know, a one, a two, a three for me this time of year. Uh I've pivoted almost entirely to that sport at, at the expense of the NFL. So uh, if you go to my site or read me on Action Network, basically uh, my goal is to kind of offer, whether it's in written form or through DM or podcast or anything, thoughts on basically every single game, you know, all whatever, however many games we have per week. Usually it's like 60, 65. Um, you know, if every team's playing, I guess if you do open weeks like 55, 60, it's a lot of games, but the work is incredibly fun. And I think, you know, the the work has yielded uh 500 results so far i think i'm like one game over 500 in the the game thoughts that i've released but uh a lot of <laughs> in a, an extraordinary amount of noon plays this week somehow that came together so uh an opportunity to to get some really good numbers and have a lot of fun so check out all this stuff i love it thanks again locky best yeah. luck this uh best luck this weekend best of luck this season and we'll uh we'll circle back on you as we get into uh, crunch time of college football and, and nfl Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. All right. Take it easy.